Now, before we get started in this episode, if you're confused and you're not sure exactly what's wrong with you or what you can do, I actually did something recently. It was a presentation that we had called 12 Steps to Rapid Recovery from Running Injuries. And so this was a live presentation where I went through in order what I actually do with every single person who calls me for a consultation. So this is worth listening to. So it's only up for a limited time. We're gonna have some replays available. I think I did live, but if you got the invitation, you missed it, I'm sorry, but we do have some replays available because I got lots of emails afterwards asking for it for the people that actually couldn't show up for one reason or another. So we will have those available. If you want to get it, you can go to docontherun.com slash 12 steps and you should be able to access it there if it's still live whenever you're listening to this. That's one thing that might be really useful for you if you are confused. So let's cue up the theme song and then we'll get right into the episode. So the big question is this, how are runners like us who don't like hearing doctors say, just stop running, who know that we simply have to stay active, how do we heal in a way that lets us stay strong, maintain our running fitness, and keep preparing for the next race, and still heal without making the injury worse? Well, that is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Dr. Christopher Segler, and welcome to the Doc on the Run podcast. Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we've got Martha Hughes back on the show, and she's the host of the Martha Runs the World podcast. Now, today we're talking about some basic principles and strategies for resuming running after surgery or, frankly, any major overtraining injury that takes you out of running for any period of time. Now, a couple of years ago, Martha was on the show, and she was talking about how hip arthritis had impacted her running and how she'd been able to kind of get a different perspective on her running goals through that experience. And so I'm really glad to have her back on the show today. Um, So she's been through a lot since that time. And so Martha, maybe before we could get started, you could just share a little bit about your backstory, um, how your, your hip arthritis started, and how it was affecting your running. Okay, well, um, about three years ago, excuse me, about three years ago, I was running a a 50k and noticed that I had a lot of pain in my quad in my right quad and it I thought I had maybe twisted a muscle or something like that and I went to the orthopedist and I had arthritis in my hip and it wasn't going to get any better and I put it off and put it off and well with 2020, I got laid off my job and had to put it off another year. I got another position. And when I was able to, last October, I had hip replacement surgery with a very excellent, excellent orthopedist in San Francisco. And I've just been through a ton of physical therapy. As a matter of fact, my physical therapist told me I have only two more sessions left and then I'm done. And she's really, really good. She, she had me, I just, start, I started running last month in February and I, now my orthopedist can't promise that I'll run ultras again, but I'm going to, I'm going to run them again. I, I've decided that's, that's, there's no if, ands, or buts, I'm going to. So uh, mind over matter here. And um, I've just been a really a working really, really hard to get back into the swing of things and just um, it's been a long journey and it's just nice to be able to walk and run again. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And I know, uh, I, I know you'll get back to running ultras. I have no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah. So, you know, and, and no doctor can ever guarantee anything. Right. In fact, you know, I'm licensed in California and Texas. And in Texas, if you actually, as a physician, use the word guarantee in any advertisement, yeah. the medical board can basically fine you. I think it's anywhere from $50 to $5,000 a day wow. per day. Every single day, the advertisement is up. So, you know, they, obviously we as physicians are not supposed to tell, you know, if you drink this snake oil, we can cure your cancer mm-hmm. and, you know, that right. sort of stuff. So right. no doctor can ever guarantee anything, but mm-hmm. the flip side of that is also true. So we have these sort of general principles like, well, you know, if you have hip arthritis and have a hip replacement, it seems like you might not be able to run or, you know, mm-hmm. it seems like it might be difficult to run. And so we also, the same way that I think that we don't have the right to guarantee a positive outcome for you. We also don't have the right to take away your hope by giving you a negative outcome either. And so, you know, I'm sure that uh, you will do whatever you you need to do to get back to doing the stuff you actually enjoy. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a, I don't know if you've seen this guy, but there's another guy on the podcast um, who goes by the bionic runner and he's Mm -hmm. actually had two hip replacements and is uh, continuing to run and Mm -hmm. train and running very fast. Um, Very interesting guy um, who, you know, and he's done it. So I know you could do it. It's really that simple. So he, you know, he started running and his surgeon told him, well, you know, I don't really know. We don't generally tell people to run marathons after you have a hip replacement, but you know, maybe it will be fine. Maybe you'll have to resurface it. We don't know. Mm -hmm. I was told, um, almost 30 years ago, I guess, that if I ever ran, I would have to have a total knee replacement because I had to have a reconstructive knee surgery on my left knee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, you know, done 15 Ironman triathlons and ultra yeah. marathons and uh, I'm still running, but I'm careful with it. So a lot mm-hmm. of it depends on, I think, the things that we mm-hmm. choose to do. You know, when I, even when I run on trails, I, I run, but I walk the switchbacks because I don't want to wrench my knee. Um, right. That's only a few steps though. You know, we mm-hmm. take a few steps through the aid station. So if you're doing an ultra, what's the big deal with taking a few steps around a 180 degree corner on a downhill? You know, right. I don't right. think it's a lot to pay. Uh, and I like to be outside, same as you. I'd prefer to spend my time in the Marin headlands or running through the Presidio mm-hmm. or some of the same places mm-hmm. that you do. So I understand it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but with that, you know, understanding like how much you really enjoy being outside and how much you enjoy running. Uh, I'm sure that for you, when the doctor first told you that you have arthritis, you know, that term arthritis is kind of scary. Uh, it sounds like something's horribly wrong and that the wheels are coming off, you know. And so it's pretty easy at that point, I think, to start sort of having a negative outlook or thinking that your days are numbered. Um, but I know for you now, like it's literally only been about, well, it's been less than six months since your surgery, right? That was in October. Um, yeah. So it's been six months. Exactly. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. But I saw a picture of you yesterday uh, on Instagram mm-hmm. on your uh, Martha Runs the World mm-hmm. Instagram page where mm-hmm. you're holding the medals. So tell us I am. That. Well, yesterday was my first race for uh, in three years where I've actually ran and walked. I, I, I ran, walked, following the instructions of my physical therapist. And one of, one of the things that I say, anybody coming back from any kind of injury or surgery, follow what your physical therapist says. They are magicians. They're wizards. They work magic. Whatever they say, do. Do what they tell you. Do exactly what they tell you, and you, you'll be fine. Uh, so I follow exactly what she says, and what Lindsay says, I do. 
So <laughs> she says, so, so I, I followed and I went on the same course. I did the same course the week before and I ran a minute and walked two, two minutes, ran a minute, walked two minutes. And I went a little faster than I thought because it's a race because you want to get into it. And I, so I ran like 11, 12 minute miles wow. for, for, for a minute. And then I'd walk like 15, 16 minute miles. So I walked pretty fast and I wasn't realizing that I was walking that fast, but I'm com competitive. I want to do as best as I can. And I was passing up people by like the second mile. I was passing up people because they start out really fast and then they get winded and then they go walk really slow. But if, but I did this the whole time, except there were some stairs when you go up, it's, it's at the Presidio and it goes around Chrissy field. It goes around the, the lagoon. It goes one loop around and then it goes up past Chrissy field and then up the stairs. And then you turn around at the bridge and then you come back down. So, so that, um, people aren't used to the stairs. So by the time people got at the stairs, they got winded. And I'm a San Franciscan, so I'm used to stairs. So, and I'm used to those stairs. So I was passing up people on the stairs and things because I'm pretty, pretty good at stairs. So I was able to actually, I, I thought before the race, I thought I would be like one of the last people, but I was kind of in the middle and I'm not that fast, but I did okay. And I was first in my age group. So, okay. <laughs> I know. I know. Wow. So it's all right. Yeah, Not a bad fantastic. way to come back to running. Not a I bad way I, to come back into running. Wow. Well, congratulations. I didn't realize you actually won your age group. That I did. is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So this sort of speaks to, you know, the, the sort of self-limitations, the fear and stuff that sets into us and how much it can actually hold us back. And, and what you say, though, makes a lot of sense. Like, basically you know your physical therapist knows what she's doing. You trust her. You know that she knows the path for you. So you get on that path and you do what you're supposed to do and you follow directions and you don't deviate off that path and then good things happen. And, you know, and so like when I do second opinions with people and they'll tell me, well, my doctor said this, but I don't think that and I don't believe this. I don't think that. I just tell them, and if I give them something that's completely mm -hmm. conflicting and they say, well, now I'm even more confused because you say this, but she said that. I think I should do this, but she said I should do this. I just say, look, it doesn't really matter. You need to pick who you're going to listen to mm. and do that. Don't pick five different people and take five different people's advice. So if you just listen to your physical therapist and you do what she says, you're right. Magical things happen. She is a mm -hmm. magician, mm -hmm. you know, but you have to put in the work. And I know that you yeah. did a lot of work to get from, you know, the recovery room after your surgery mm -hmm. to winning your age group yesterday in less than six months. And that also is important for people to hear, I think, because I most often hear from runners these sort of this very standard thing when somebody has surgery, they have a major, major overtraining injury that basically winds up being almost as troublesome as surgery. They'll say, well, it'll expect a year to 18 months before you're really able to run again. Well, that's that the, these fixed timelines don't make any sense. You know, everybody's different and it all depends upon mm -hmm. what you do, how fit you were before surgery, what you do after the surgery and what you do as soon as you start running. All those things really matter and they're all important pieces that change the equation a lot. So I'm curious about, you know, knowing how well you've done already in only six months, did, did you see the physical therapist before your surgery or did you do any kind of particular prehab, you know, getting ready, stronger, more fit before the surgery? Because, I mean, if you think about it from a, like, well, like you said, you know, you, you got laid off, right? So mm -hmm. if, you, if you have a job that's in a volatile market and 
you think that it's probable that they're going to have layoffs or there's going to be a mm -hmm. shutdown or you're going to get mm -hmm. fired or the company's going to go bankrupt or mm -hmm. something like every sensible person would go, okay, everything's going great now, but there's going to be this serious dry spell, no income. I need to save some money. And you can do the same kind of thing with your fitness. If you know you have to have surgery now, that's not really something you can plan for if you break your ankle running on a trail. But if you know that you have arthritis and you know that you're going to have to have surgery to try to treat the arthritis, well, you know it's coming. So did, was there anything in particular that you did to prepare for that? How'd you get ready for the surgery? Well, I, I've always, I'm an active person, so I kept walking and kept moving. And I, it, despite the pain, even though at the end, right before surgery, it was painful just walking a block. I just keep walking because I don't own a car and to get places you gotta walk. I have to walk. And I, I'm an independent person. So that's what I did. And during when I was laid off work, I had a very good friend who's since moved out of state. But while I was out of work, he would say once a week, he, he would come by and he's self he's self employed. So he can work when he wants to work. He would come by and and say, let's go, let's go up, let's go for a run or at that point, I was running a little bit but mostly hiking. Let's go up to the headlands for a run or let's go to, um, what, let's go up to the, um, up to past Redwood city up to Hutter park or something like that for a hike or something like that. And so we would go up to these trails and they, there'd be no one, no one on the trails because they'd be closed, but we'd go on them anyway, even if they were closed, we'd just sneak on them. And I know we're such rebels, but, um, but it got me through cause I was really depressed cause I was laid off work and it got me out of, out of the city once a week. And we go on these trails and it kept me going, even though I was walking and it was painful, I'd still do it. So I would do six or seven miles and it got less and less and less as it got closer by, by, I'd say August, I could, uh, I could only go like three miles or less. And then by September, it just, it got really, really bad. So I stopped doing that and maybe I could walk a mile, but I really kept going and, and didn't do anything extra rather than just keep moving. And I think that really helped me. My orthopedist who's a sports ortho. And I say to anyone who's in sports or an athlete, never choose a doctor who's not a, who's not sports oriented never like for runners never choose a doctor who doesn't understand runners my own my primary care doctor is a runner my ortho, ortho you know as a sports orthopedist never choose people who don't understand us because they're they're going to just tell you to stop and that's not unacceptable <laughs> <laughs> it it yeah. is unacceptable. It is. I mean, it, it is. is. And, it uh, is. but it's very commonplace, yeah. you know, and yeah. when I lecture at medical conferences, I generally start by saying, you know, because there are always topics on specific running injuries. And, um, and so I'll say who here treats injured runners in their practice and pretty much all the hands go up. And then I say, who doesn't like seeing injured runners and almost all the hands go down and there'll be like one or two people, you know, usually there's like somebody who you can tell, like she went for a run that morning and like literally came into the session wearing running clothes, you know, and there's, so you can tell there are people that like runners, but there are very few of them. And then I'll pick one of the doctors that actually has some look of disgust that they have to sit in this lecture who obviously, you know, has their arms folded and just looks like they, you know, they would rather be doing anything else other than listening to somebody talk mm -hmm. about running injuries. And I say, why don't you like seeing injured runners in your practice? 
And they usually say something to the fact like, well, they, they, they just want to run. I'm like, well, yeah, of course they do. They're a runner. I mean, of course they want to run. So why is that a problem for you? You know, and um, it's very important, I think, to find somebody. So there are people that specialize specifically in runners, but also one of the, the tricks, I think, to finding somebody that might be kind of on the same page is pretty much every doctor on their website, they'll have a section about the doctor. And they're at the, if you just go to the bottom of it, you read past all the garbage that they published and where they went to residency and all their training and what lectures they gave and all that stuff, down at the bottom, there's usually a paragraph that says, you know, uh, I'm married, I have two kids, I live mm-hmm. in San Francisco, I enjoy running on trails and, you know, sailing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that little paragraph, I think at the end is actually the most important out of every doctor's bio to tell you like, what do they actually do? Because if it's somebody that actually runs, the chances of them being sympathetic to you and your journey of getting back to running is certainly a lot higher than somebody that doesn't exercise at all. That's for sure. Yeah. So now once you got out of the surgery and you know, you're starting to recover, you're, you're kind of like, you know, obviously you're doing lots of rehabilitation and stuff. Are there any things in particular during that journey from the operating room to before your first run that you think really helped optimize the odds of you getting back to running and recovering faster? Like, what do you think really made the difference for you? Because six months is a fast timeline. Just, I just think the, the physical therapy and just, um, well, what I did, um, no, I knew how to work crutches. Um, I, I wasn't going to take the, um, oh, what, uh, I can't even remember it. The, I didn't want to want to use the, um, I wanted to use crutches rather than, oh, whatchamacallit, then, oh, I can't remember the name a, of it. Like a knee, a knee walker rollabout thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I didn't want to use that. I wanted to just use crutches rather than the, um, the other thing that I used in the hospital. I mm-hmm. can't remember it. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, uh, because I knew, how, I knew how to use crutches, and they were, it was much easier to use the crutches. In, I have a little apartment, so it was much easier to use, use those in my apartment. So that really helped a lot. And, and I think that the, the, um, the therapist, the environmental therapist in the hospital really helped me out a lot because she showed me how to put on my socks with the, with the, I have a little plastic thing with little ropes on it that helps me put on my socks without, that helped me put on my socks without having to bend over. Mm -hmm. And she showed me how to put on shoes without having to tie them and all these little things that, that you take, you take for granted, but when you have surgery on that, that part of your body, you can't bend over, you can't pick up things. So there's all these little things that you can't do for weeks. And then now I can do any, any, now I can do anything, but for a long time, you have to get used to not doing these things. It's, it's, it's a little um, disruptive in your life <laughs> and, I, and I can't stand not doing things. So yeah, that's uh, disruptive. That's an understatement. Yes. Um, yes. You know, the first time I had knee surgery, I was really fit. I was young. Mm-hmm. And I remember the doctor telling me, well, you're going to have to have some help at home. And I remember just kind of like, really? What are you talking about? Like, I just <laughs> no. thought it was you know, a joke when he said that. And I was like thinking, I'm not one of your old patients, you know. And so because I was really young and I was really healthy at that time. And, you know, but I got home that evening and I made dinner. And so I had crutches like you, and I was not allowed to step on my foot because I had this knee surgery that day. And 
I made dinner and I still can clearly remember being in my kitchen on my crutches. And then I suddenly looked at the plate of food that I prepared and then looked at the table and I looked at the plate of food and I was like, how am I going to get that from there to there? (laughs) And I remember this sort of like complete disbelief, like, oh, you idiot. This is what he was talking about. And then I sort of like almost felt like I should be wearing a dunce cap or something while I sat there at standing <laughs> with my crutches eating my dinner from the, the counter, you know. Uh, and But these are the little things like putting on mm-hmm. your socks, eating dinner, trying mm-hmm. to get into the bathroom. There are all mm-hmm. these little challenges that you really don't think, you know, they're things you take mm-hmm. for granted, like you said. And so yeah. it's tough to get through those. So mm-hmm. uh, aside from those things, like what else kind of surprised you or that you really didn't think about, about your journey from, you know, surgery through the recovery and back to running again? Was there anything that also kind of um, caught you off guard? Well, just patience. I'm an impatient person and, and six months doesn't seem like, doesn't seem like a long time, but it seems like a lifetime for me. I, I really, she said, you have to wait till February to start running. And that seemed like forever. It's like, really? <laughs> but I waited and I waited and then February came around and she says, okay, now, now she gave me some tests. She had me hop, hopping around mm-hmm. to make sure I could hop and do these little tests. And I passed everything. She says, okay, now, now you can start running, but you have to do it this way. You have to start at one minute and one, two minutes, you know, do, do it this way. And, and what, what really surprised me was nothing hurt when I was doing it, well, actually, that's not true. My the muscles around my around my scar, around my um, where my stitches were, the muscles around that kind of really hurt. I guess they're not they they hurt when I started running. It mm. took a while for them to stop hurting. Mm-hmm. But what the hardest part was getting my lungs back into it. I had lost my total aerobic ability in my lungs, but my legs got into it a lot faster because I'd been walking a lot since my surgery, I've been walking a ton, but so my legs were strong and, but my lungs, boy, it's taken a while. Now my lungs are finally into it. It's like, finally guys, you know, it took you long enough, but it took forever for my lungs to, you know, finally catch their breath. Mm -hmm. I've forgotten about, you know, it's been so long since I've been a beginner runner. I've forgotten how long that takes for the lungs to get into gear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you take it for granted. You know, somebody like you, you know, you do all this base training, you get fit. And then, you know, that fitness is, is just there. You forget about it because you, you know, you can run up the stairs, you can, uh, you can go up hills, you can do whatever, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really affect you. And once it's gone, you really notice. So, all right, let's talk Mm -hmm. about the YouTube series that I saw Mm -hmm. you recently created because, um, you know, every, the people that call me for consultations and they don't call me because they say, well, you know, I've got plantar fasciitis. One of my running buddies said I should see a doctor. They don't call me because they just found out they got a stress fracture. They call me because of one of two things. Either they're confused about what to do next, mainly because they don't understand or they disagree with what some doctor told them or they think they're pretty much recovered and they're trying to figure out how to start Mm -hmm. running again without getting re-injured. And they realize that there's a huge risk of getting re-injured. And so it it doesn't really matter. Like if you take, you know, a couple of months off because you have a serious overtraining injury, or if you have surgery, you're in exactly the same position. You just don't have a scar. And it's really, really Mm -hmm. difficult mentally, I think, to start running with confidence. And so I know you created this YouTube series recently that really helps people understand how to start running again and 
you know, after surgery in your case, or, you know, it could certainly apply to somebody after any overtraining injury, but tell us about that series. Like, you know, where'd you get this idea to start putting that together? Well, I just got the idea because I'm watching people run and I just thought that maybe it would be nice to, to have something for people who are just starting out again, because I'm just starting out again. And, um, I didn't realize how difficult it is to film. <laughs> it's like, oh boy, I'm jumping into it going, podcasts are pretty easy compared to filming. People who film YouTube are amazing because it's really hard. And, and editing and putting together YouTube stuff is really, really hard. <laughs> I just yeah. have to say that. So I'm just beginning. And if they're not very good, I'm sorry, they'll get better. <laughs> no, well, you know what I, so I, I've, you know, I made, I don't know, well over a hundred YouTube videos. And I can tell you that it's very interesting that process because many of the, the things that I have made in terms of videos where I had some, cause normally what I do is like literally when I'm running, I think of all of these things about running that, uh, that relate to, questions that people ask me when I do consultations, you know, what, what, what I do with this, how would I do that? What about running on this kind of trail? What about this kind of shoe? All of these different questions. And I always have in my mind what I think is going to be the most valuable, what people really need to know, but I'm often wrong about that. And what I've also found is that some of the videos that I do sort of not haphazardly, but like without as much planning, let's say, and without as much editing and without really trying to put that much, you know, work into it, end up being the ones with the most views. And they're, all, they're often topics and stuff that surprise me. And, and I noticed that some of the ones that I watch myself, you know, instructional type YouTube videos on all different kinds of things, often are very, very unproductive, you know, un unprofessional they're very productive, but they're unprofessional for sure. You know, often have big mistakes in what they say. I was watching one the other day and the guy was getting ready to take a motor out of a boat. And he was talking about, yeah, we're getting ready to lift the motor over the bow of the boat. And I was like, the bow's the other end, you know? Like, so, I mean, he like literally, but this guy's obviously a very, very talented mechanic. He obviously understands everything about the motor, but he doesn't know what's the bow or the stern of the boat. And, but it didn't make the video less useful. So I think part of it, you know, in those videos is trying to realize that, you know, people are looking for your insights. They're looking for yeah. the information that, that you really have to share with them that they don't have right now, that they're missing the confidence because they're missing that information from you. So I think it's really fantastic that you're putting that together oh, for good. people and you've been working on it. So thank you very much. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go well, ahead. Well, it's kind of hard because I, I get frustrated because it's really hard to edit. So I, I, I think I need that boost of confidence. So thank you. <laughs> you know, I will tell you, it's just, uh, it's very interesting to me. And um, the, you, you know, the value is not in the editing. And um, a long, long time ago, I remember somebody, I was watching a, a, I guess it was a YouTube video on making podcasts or YouTube videos or something. And people were saying, you know, people want the real story. People do not want to see what's on a script. They do not want to see what you think they need to see. They want to hear the real story. And, and that really is helpful, you know? And so even these things that seem raw and unedited can be very, very valuable. So uh, I'm sure you'll, you will provide a great amount of useful information. And we'll link to that series as well um, in the show notes for this episode too. So I just have one other question for you, Martha. I know that, um, you know, 
if you talk to somebody today, if somebody called you and said, hey, you know, I saw one of your YouTube videos, uh, I was listening to your podcast about your surgery, I just want to know, you know, what is the first thing that I should do to, you know, as I'm coming out of this injury, as I'm actually really like about to kind of lace up my shoes and go out for my first run and get kind of out of the recovery zone and back into the running zone, like what, what do I need to know to make that transition? Like what's the one thing you would tell that injured runner? Uh, don't rush it. Take it, take it slow. There's plenty of time in the world. I know we want to rush out and do it, but do things slow. When you start running, run slow, slower than you think you should. Most beginning runners make the mistake of, of going out too fast. Run slow. And if, if really, run slower than you think you should. I, I'm rereading a book called 80-20 by Matt Fitzgerald, and it's talking about 80% of our running should be done slow. And if it seems too slow, then it's good. That's good. You need to run, run slow because most of your running should be done at a very slow pace. So run slow. Don't run for long. Keep it, keep it brief. Take lots of walking breaks and don't rush it. Oh yeah. That's fantastic advice. I mean, I was um, at a medical conference in Lake Tahoe a couple of weeks ago lecturing and um, and I asked, I was talking about this idea of like, when you give, I was talking about specifically about protocols for returning runners to activity after they've been injured and they're recovering. And I asked a guy who I went to school with, I was in med school mm-hmm. with him. I know that he runs, he's a big time runner. And so I asked him, I was like, Dr. Hagen, how long would you tell somebody to run on their first run if they were just going to go outside? And he kind of paused and he said, maybe two miles. And I was like, or no, he said maybe 15 minutes is what he said. And I said, okay, but when you, when somebody tells me you can run for 15 minutes, the first thing that happens in my brain is I think if I run 7.5 minute miles, I can do two miles. Yeah. I mean, and so, and I was explaining to him cause you know, this, I know him, he's a smart guy and all that, you know, and so I was surprised that he actually said that. And I just said, look, you know, what I always tell runners is number one, you need to pick the amount of time you're going to run first, not distance. Because yeah. if you, if you decide, mm-hmm. because when you go out and you start mm-hmm. running, you feel terrible at first. And if right. you've not been running, then you start feeling mm-hmm. a little better. And then you think, Oh, I could go an extra mile or two. So you've got to have the time first. And then the second piece of that is always tell them you need to decide on your pace first and mm-hmm. your pace needs to be what I call a charity pace. Mm-hmm. Not like what you think of as slow based on your previous fitness level that you still think of as your fitness level. Mm-hmm. But like, I think, okay, well, if I was going to run with a friend of mine who says, let's say, let's make up a Frank. Okay. Let's say my friend Frank says, you know, I really want to start running because I feel like I could lose 30 pounds can I come run with you and you show me how to run? Like, I think how fast would I run with Frank? Like, this is not my slow pace. This is his slow pace. Right. And that's really what you have to do. So it's just what you said. It's like, you've got to put some, you know, measure on your slowness to make sure that you rein yourself in because man, if you get over over training injury right after surgery, holy cow, that'd be terrible. You You know, know, and I want to add to that too. If they have not been walking, at all if they've had surgery or something have not been walking i would say don't run at all mm-hmm. start walking start walking right. for for 15 20 minutes right three or four times a week do that for for three or four weeks and they may not like to hear that but if they haven't if they 
really been off their feet and haven't even been walking at all. They need to walk first before they start running. Yeah. I, I, I truly believe that, that they need to start walking program beforehand. And then now if they have been walking, then that's different. You know, if they've been walking and it's just running, they haven't been doing that. Then that's one thing. But if they haven't been doing anything, they need to start walking first and then running. And I would say the way that, that my physical therapist started me doing it is one minute, slow slow run and i and i don't use the j word so i'm not using that word here <laughs> i never use that word i hate that word <laughs> and i'm an old time runner we hate that word <laughs> so a slow run uh, one minute and then walk two minutes and then run two minutes walk two minutes only do five five or six sets of that so your first time out it's not far but it gets you started the next time try for a couple more sets if you can do that for a week. If you feel that 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 you can go two minutes the next week, do do it the next week. But if it's, you're still out of breath and you feel tired, then do it for two weeks. We're not rushing. Don't rush things. Things it's not to be rushed because that's how beginning runners get injured is by rushing things. That's exactly right. Well, that's fantastic advice. Yeah. So, Martha, thank you. I'm uh, so glad you're doing well. Congratulations on your win yesterday. Uh, really Thank great you. to see you again and glad Thanks. to see that you're back at it and back on your way to uh, getting out on the trails to do some more ultras. So uh, I'm sure I'll see you out there. You bet. So, yeah. So again, thanks for coming on today, Martha. Thank you so much.